Hi, this is ETF.com's Exchange Traded Fridays podcast, a weekly podcast covering developments in the ETF industry. My name is Sumit Roy, and I'm Senior ETF Analyst for ETF.com. I'm super excited about this week's episode because I'm going to be talking with Graham Day, who is the Chief Investment Officer at Innovator ETFs. Innovator is an ETF issuer that pioneered defined outcome ETFs, a really exciting, really interesting part of the ETF market. If you've never heard of defined outcome ETFs, or even if you've heard of them, stay tuned because this is a space that's seeing a lot of innovation. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Graham, welcome to the show. It's me. Great to be talking with you. Graham, I want to start out big picture, because while every year more and more people are learning about defined outcome ETFs, there's still a mystery for many other people. So I'd love it if you could just give us an overview of what these ETFs are. That's a great question. And really at the heart of this lineup of ETFs, it's very simple. These ETFs allow you to know your upside potential, your downside potential, over a specified period of time, all before investing. And so we started with our buffer ETFs, which give investors, say, 15% of the upside to a well-known benchmark, equity benchmark. In exchange for capping that upside, you have a known level of built-in buffer against loss. So in that case, maybe you could get a 15% buffer. So with investors being more fearful of what's going on in the market today, if they have the opportunity to match the return of an equity benchmark up to 15% and have that downside buffer in place, hedging against the first 15% of losses, it's one of the reasons why we've seen a lot of interest in these products. That's fantastic. Thanks for breaking that down. And we're going to delve deeper into the ETF lineup that you have. But before we do that, I want to ask you about your company, Innovator. For a while, your firm was synonymous with Define Outcome ETFs. How did what was initially a small upstart ETF issuer come to dominate this burgeoning space? Well, you know, one of the things that um, we've seen is there's, as you've are pointing out here, there are more entrants that have come into this defined outcome space. But what we've set out to do is to really bring things that are completely new to the ETF market. We're not really interested in bringing Me Too products or products that are just slightly different than what's already been created. And that's what we've done with the defined outcome space. And we've had a number of other market entrants come in which in our opinion has, has really validated what we set out to do uh, six years ago in, in really making this a, an established area of the ETF market. And if we take a step back, and this is something that having spent my entire career in the ETF space, I was not aware of how big the structured note and the insurance industries were. You're kind of shielded from that if you're an ETF uh, investor or on the ETF issuer side, but it's a massive amount of money that is are in uh, these types of exposures in a structured note or in an insurance wrapper. <clears throat> and what we uh, set out to do, you know, Bruce Bond and John Southern founding this company six years ago and seeing the opportunity of why are those payoffs not available 
in the ETF wrapper. I think that's a question that many issuers have asked in the past that has led to a, a, a revolution in the ETF space, taking things that were previously not available in the ETF wrapper and putting them in the ETF wrapper, adding a tremendous amount of value for, for clients, whether in the case of the defined outcome ETFs, you're not beholden to an issuer's balance sheet. It's not a debt obligation because we are owning underlying options in these ETFs. You have uh, liquidity, daily liquidity. You have tax deferral with these ETFs uh, through the in-kind creation redemption process and a lot of other benefits, economies of scale uh, for advisors, operational efficiencies that the ETF wrapper provides that they never had before. And so we feel like we are just getting started in this space. And we've had uh, been very fortunate with the level of success that we've seen. But when you take a, a step back and look at how big those other markets are uh, in the structured note, in the insurance world, we're in reality still a very, very small drop in the bucket. That's great. And it sounds like you took a strategy that was available to sophisticated investors and not only democratize access to it, but made it better with ETFs. I love that. So, Graham, I think this would be a great time to dive a little bit deeper into your ETF lineup. I'm looking at your website, and today you have many varieties of defined outcome ETFs, buffer ETFs, power buffer ETFs, ultra buffer ETFs. Barrier ETFs, accelerated and stacker ETFs, as well as floor ETFs. That's a lot of ETFs for investors to consider. How do they decide which one of these is right for them? That's a that's a great question. One of the things that we uh, feel like we've really set ourselves apart from the competition is in the resources and education that we offer advisors to help them understand how all these products work and help them determine which buffer. What, which accelerated ETF, which barrier ETF is most appropriate for them. But at the same time, too, we want to provide choice to these advisors. <clears throat> we want them to be, be able, if you're looking at the buffer ETF lineup, we have one-year buffers of 9, 15, or 30%. Obviously, a, a nine buffer is going to have a higher upside potential than a 30% buffer. But there are variety of use cases that advisors can take in implementing these ETFs. Maybe they're looking at replacing a portion of their fixed income allocation. Maybe they're underweight fixed income, or they have been as rates have been rising and there's a lot of uncertainty there. And they like the 15 buffer because looking at its risk profile, it has elements of equity exposure. It has some defensive characteristics of fixed income. And that's an appropriate tool for them. Or maybe they're looking at just dialing their, their equity beta back a little bit. And that's where the nine buffer uh, can give them meaningful upside to the market, but uh, give that buffer against the first 9% of losses. But really, again, what we're trying to do is take payoffs that have been available and the most popular in the structure note world, in the insurance world for decades, and make them available in the ETF wrapper. And so because we're taking that approach, a lot of advisors are already familiar 
with a buffer. They're al already familiar with understanding how uh, the, a 15 buffer would work over a one year time frame. But we continue to lean into the education. Our team specializes in defined alchemy TFs. And I think that's something that sets us apart. Whereas some of our competitors, this is one of many things that they do. Uh, this is the only thing we do. We pioneered this space. We want to be known as the experts uh, in the space. And so we would welcome the opportunity to talk with advisors if they have questions about, well, which buffer should I use? Which barrier income ETF should I use? Those are all questions that we're, we're fielding on a daily basis. And I'd encourage all listeners to go check out the Innovator website because there are a ton of great information, educational resources that people can learn from. With that said, I do want to ask you, Graham, about your managed outcome ETFs. I think you launched these last year, if I'm not mistaken. How do these differ from your defined outcome ETFs? That's a, that's a great question. And so really uh, at the heart of the managed outcome lineup is you know, with a defined outcome, it's right in the name. You know exactly what you're going to get over, say, a one-year time frame. You know exactly how much upside potential you have. You have, you know, exactly how much uh, built-in buffer you have against loss. But what we found is that there are some advisors that are less concerned about the defined outcome. Maybe they've got an outlook over the next two and a half years, and so they're not looking at achieving a defined outcome. But they like the buffer uh, story. They like knowing that these ETFs have a level of built-in protection and they can utilize those products across their portfolios and be less concerned about where do I stand within the defined outcome. And so we built those tools as a way for advisors to uh, you know, achieve or obtain a lot of the benefits of the defined outcome funds or, or the buffers without having uh, to know exactly where they're at within the outcome period. How much upside do you have left? How much downside? Uh, and it's been an easier way for some advisors to implement into their models uh, or just to scale across their portfolios. That makes a lot of sense. And Graham, you've been mentioning advisors a lot. Uh, are those who are primarily using these ETFs or are you also seeing institutions and retail investors buying these types of ETFs as well? I think we're, we're starting to see across the board. <clears throat> we focus the vast majority of our efforts on the advisor community. And I think that's something else that we found adds a lot of value where you think about these other wrappers, insurance and bank wrappers, where they've been able to access these exposures in the past, it's all off the shelf. There's really, uh, you know, you, there's not a lot of value add that you can provide once those notes are in the market. But with the ETF, you know, we have a lineup of these buffer ETFs, these barrier ETFs, these accelerated ETFs. And having that lineup gives advisors choice and allows them to manage a portfolio of these ETFs in a way that they probably would not be able to do with other wrappers. And so we find that advisors are using, you know, today we're sitting here uh, about to go into May. We have people that are still buying maybe the January series ETF, or maybe they're looking at the July series ETF. And those are opportunities that 
uh, again, the ETF provides that transparency on the price. And with the ETF, you can achieve a defined outcome at any point during the outcome period. Those attributes are unique to the ETF. And we find that advisors are leveraging that to their benefit and being able to customize exposure for their clients, use these ETFs tactically, uh, and express an opinion over a, a, a specific time frame that doesn't necessarily have to be just over one year. Uh, and so we continue to see the the use cases expanding. And uh, we, uh, like I said, we have a mix of retail, institutional, and, and advisors, but we spend the vast majority of our time educating and working with financial advisors on these ETFs. Now, I want to ask you about the current environment. Graham, last year was a great year for these strategies in the sense that they allowed investors to maintain exposure to the markets while protecting them from the downside that we saw. And this year, there's obviously still a lot of uncertainty out there. Have you seen stronger demand for your funds given the current economic and market environment that we're in? And does it make sense to allocate more money to these types of products in times like these? That's a great question. I think that what we're trying to educate advisors on is that buffer ETFs, defined outcome ETFs, always should have a place in the portfolio. And maybe if we rewind three years ago, uh, when the Fed, it's, it's actually hard to believe now we're, we're sitting in an environment where interest rates are four or five percent. And but we can't forget that a few years ago, those rates were at zero. And when we saw the Fed take rates down to zero, uh, at that point, we started our, you know, our research team and we had advisors coming to us saying, I'm going to start using the buffer ETFs as a fixed income alternative. Now, these ETFs don't provide any income, but at the time, if rates are at zero, that means bonds are incredibly expensive. And at the time, because rates are at zero and volatility, uh, you know, had had subsided a little bit from the, the COVID crisis, the upside potential of these strategies uh, was was uh, a, a little more muted. So on a 15 buffer, maybe the upside potential over a year was nine percent. Well, we had clients saying, "I can't put something that has a nine percent cap in my equity bucket." but I like it more as a fixed income alternative because I'm, I, I need to sell some of my bonds, underweight my bond exposure. Bonds are very expensive. I'm selling at the top, but I don't want to just put that in unhedged equity exposure. So we saw that as a primary use case for these ETFs uh, for the last few years. But then as bond yields have risen and now there's more uncertainty on the equity side, that has actually led to higher caps on the products where we're seeing caps of around 15% with a 15% buffer. Now we have clients saying, whereas I couldn't put that ETF in my equity bucket with a 9% cap, with a 15% cap, or we've seen caps as high as 20% with a 15 buffer, I can use that as a part of my equity sleeve, keep my clients invested, uh, and also provide that buffer against losses because most advisors, most investors are not expecting the mar market to go up 15% or 20% in the next year. And even if they do, they know they're going to get 
the first 15% of, of upside, but more importantly, it's, I just, I, I don't know it, what the market's going to do. I need to have that level of buffer in place. And so in our opinion, it really takes that risk of advisors and their clients saying, well, just put me in cash, uh, put me on the sidelines. We know that that's the worst potential uh, strategy for investors long-term. So this market is definitely uh, favoring these exposures. Uh, however, we would argue that there's a place for these in any market environment. Gotcha. And a 15 to 20% cap with a 15% buffer certainly sounds attractive. I know a lot of people would be interested in that. Graham, can you talk about the future of defined outcome ETFs? We know Innovator is a pioneer in this space, and you've seen so much success that, like you said earlier, you have attracted competition, most recently from the largest ETF issuer, BlackRock. How do you intend to stay ahead of the competition, and what new products could we see in the future in this space? Yeah, it's a you know it's something that we really pride ourselves on is is bringing these innovative, these new strategies to market that have never been available in the ETF wrapper. And, and I would point to a lineup that we just brought, uh, our premium income barrier ETFs, which are part of our defined outcome lineup. And whereas our buffer and our accelerated ETFs focus on capital appreciation, these barrier ETFs focus on income. And we know that despite interest rates rising and, and risk-free rates uh, at a much higher level, there's always a need to diversify that income stream. And so what we have done is we brought these ETFs that provide investors known levels of income over a one-year timeframe, uh, but also have levels of built-in risk management to hedge against downside losses. And again, to me, what we, we've done is we're replicating what we've seen provided in the structured note world and make it available in the ETF wrapper. And yield-focused or income-focused notes are actually far more popular in the note community than growth strategies. And so we're taking a page of here's what's been working, here's what advisors have gravitated towards in the note space, and we're making that available in the ETF wrapper for the first time. So we're really excited about that. First time in an ETF wrapper that you can know exactly how much income you're going to get. You have a known level of risk management on the downside, quarterly distributions, targeting higher than uh, fixed income levels of of coupons. And it's an area that we think there'll be a, a huge opportunity in. And we've started to see some, some uh, early traction in these premium income barrier ETFs. Certainly sounds like there's a lot of opportunity. What about potential lo launches outside of Define Outcome ETFs? You do have a handful of traditional ETFs. You even launched, launched a single stock Tesla ETF last year. What else can we expect in the future? Well, you know, I think one of the things that we are uh, we really harp on here at Innovator is focus, and we don't want to take our eye off the ball in the in terms of the opportunity that's in front of us with a defined outcome. So we we do have a few traditional ETFs, um, and we may bring a few here or there in in the future, but I think what you'll you'll see 
to me is our focus is 100% on the defined outcome space. It's an area that we pride ourselves on. We want to own. We want to be the experts in. And so that's where we expect the majority of our product development to continue to evolve in. And uh, you know, I think you'll see more products in that space. We may bring a few traditional ETFs, but again, mostly focused on that defined outcome area. Well, Graham, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. I learned a lot and I'm sure our audience learned a lot as well. Thanks for taking the time and enlightening us on this very interesting and fast growing part of the ETF market. Great to speak with you again, Smeet. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find this and all other Exchange Traded Fridays episodes on ETF.com or on any major podcast platform. See you next week. Thank you.